Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. James chapter 3, verses 2 through 12, and it says this, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or woman, also able to bridle the whole body. I don't know many people who are able to do that. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, and they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member that boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. Somebody say it's a fire. It's a fire, a a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, it is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man or woman can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of it the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. I know none of you know about that. My brethren, these things ought not to be. They ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? And can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear thistles? Thus, no spring yields both salt and fresh water. And everybody said, amen. You may have your seats. And if you can, on your way down, can we give the worship team a great big hand clap? Thank them for being used so mighty, mightily of the Lord. Uh, Before we get started, I want to thank everybody who's watching on Facebook Live. We pray that this message impacts you and blesses you. Do me a favor and share this video. Somebody is about to be encouraged and touched. I truly believe that. Does the church believe that this morning? All right. Well, I, first of all, I love how this particular uh, scripture describes the tongue as a rudder. And I usually never preach a message unless, well, let me just say this. I don't know if I've ever preached the message unless I've had to go through it first. Anytime you've ever seen me preach a cold, calculated message is probably because it didn't hit so close to home. But this past week, this is confessional time, and again, I didn't say this is, you know, I said this is not a Catholic church, but I'm going to have a confession before I preach this message. The Lord had spoke to me this past week, and so I read a devotion, my, my routine, I have a routine. Uh, if you want to stay strong in the Lord, you have to have some type of routine. It's not about being religious, but there is something to be said about having a routine, waking up and praying and reading your devotional or reading your word. This is how you maintain strength in the Lord, just like maintaining eating habits or maintaining exercise. Longevity and consistency contribute to your growth. 
Can somebody say amen to that? Come on, I'd like you to repeat after me because I'd like to keep you awake. I see one or two of you falling asleep. So this past week, I'm reading my devotion, and it's all about the tongue and about controlling your tongue. And now I have always, my wife even knows this. She says, I don't know how you stay quiet about that. I'm in a position both in my professional life and in ministry where I'm in prime position to get offended a whole lot. I hear people who are experienced in ministry giggling because it's just, that's just the way it is. But I woke up, I read this devotional about taming your tongue. The problem is, is I didn't know that five minutes later, it's about 6.30 in the morning-ish, five minutes later, I'm walking out of the front door of my house, and there is a, uh, a jogger coming by. At this time, it's about 6.45 or 6.50, and I, had, uh, I have a boat parked in my driveway, and we have an HOA. How many have HOAs here? And now we have a bit of a strict HOA. And I was in the spirit at first until this lady jogged by. I was totally caught up with the Lord. I had a great time with the Lord. I felt the presence of the Lord. But as this young lady is jogging by, all of a sudden, I just got, came out of the heavenly realm, and I was back to earth, and I just uh, couldn't help myself. She stops, and she takes a picture of the boat. And I often, sometimes, even if I just park it a day or two, or if there's something in the yard, I'll get a notice almost immediately. And I thought to myself, this HOA must have a drone over our house. They know everything that we do, you know? And so as she was jogging by, she catches me, take this, um, uh, she catches me catching her, take this picture of my boat. And then rudely says to me, um, you need to move that boat. It's been here, you know, a week. I corrected her and said it was less than a week. And, and, I, and the Lord said, don't say anything else. And, uh, but my feet wouldn't stop walking towards my truck as she continued to jog. It was like my, my legs were like possessed. They wouldn't stop moving towards my truck. And so I jump in the truck and I'm not in the spirit anymore. You know, all of a sudden I'm just feeling my flesh. I'm feeling a little bit upset. And, and there, I only have a few pet peeves. Anybody who knows me, I don't move very easily, and I can deal with people's issues, I, but when it comes to disrespect, I don't do too well with that, but the Lord's working on me. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you know the Lord's still working on you. Come on, you can tell him. You don't have to be a prophet to know that your neighbor is still being worked on by the Lord. So my body would not stop getting in my truck because she kept running and didn't want to have a conversation, so I decided to drive around the neighborhood, and I found her. And uh, I pulled up next to her, and I asked her politely. I was polite, but the Lord kept saying, hold your peace. And uh, I didn't hold my peace. I asked her not to jog by my house any longer and tell me to move my boat. If she had something to say, let it be done through a letter. And you would have think, you would have thought I would have just, I created the, un, I, I did the unpardonable sin. I mean, for days, I'm like basically crying over this thing. And I call and I tell my wife. And as soon as I tell her, she says, did you forget the devotional that you just had this morning? You know? And so this message both applies to me, and I pray that it applies to you in some area of your life. And can I tell you, I believe that the tongue is what gets us into the most trouble. If we could get control of our tongues, our lives would change. That's what the Bible says. It actually calls the person who has self-control over their tongue. It, it says that they are a perfect man or woman. And so I believe that many contributing factors to the disasters that have happened in our lives, and our families, sometimes even in our finances, in our friendships, in our relationships, 
It's because of the lack of the control of our tongues. And this portion of scripture talks about that all too clearly. And when I think of what actually makes a sailboat effective, you would think it's a sail, hence it's a sailboat. I like boating. How many like boating? I was just talking about my boat. I love to go out and be on the water. I mean, there's something to be said about being on the water and near mountains. That's why Jesus, I think Jesus just talks clearer near the water. Am I the only one? When I'm next to a river or a lake or a spring, he just, I don't know. The Bible says his voice is like the voice of many waters. And so I love being on the water. So when I think about a sailboat, you, you automatically think, okay, what drives a sail? Well, of course, wind. You have to have wind. Now, now the thing about wind, it actually can push the boat, but it doesn't determine the direction of the boat. The boat can be, the wind can be blowing from the south, but if your rudder is not adjusted right, or you're not using the rudder to steer the boat, you won't end up where you need to go. You can steer the rudder to the north while the wind is blowing to the south and end up where you need to be, all because of this little rudder. And if you look at the bottom of a sailboat, the rudder's not very big. It's a very tiny, it's almost shaped like a tongue on some boats, but it is the smallest piece on the boat, yet it is the thing that drives the boat. It gives the boat direction. And can I tell you, your tongue gives direction to your life. Come on, somebody should say amen to that. We oftentimes, we should give God all the credit in our walk with him to our successes and to our strengths. But can I tell you that, that not everything, not the direction of our life is not completely hinged on what God does or doesn't do in our lives because he uses us to accomplish his will. Do I have anybody who understands that and believes that? And, and, and our tongues and our behaviors and our dispositions, our choices, either contribute to entering into God's perfect will in our lives, or it can hinder that. And we can end up in somewhere that is completely obscure or opposite to his will. And this is what the tongue does. I don't know about you, but I, will, I want my tongue, the way that I speak to people, and the way that I govern my tongue to contribute to me accomplishing God's perfect will in my life. Can I tell you this? There are some relationships that would have survived in our lives had we had enough restraint in our tongues. We would have possibly got the position that God wanted us to have, but because we didn't practice restraint on our tongues, we didn't get that position. Oh, I know the church, the Presbyterian church is awfully quiet this morning. I oftentimes wonder if, the, if our current circumstances are, are contributing, our tongues are contributing factors to what we're experiencing in this season of our lives this morning. And I want to read a portion of scripture to you this morning. I want to read this quote first. It's by a person that I don't even know if they're a believer, but my point in reading this is even the secular world knows the power of the tongue. And here's what it says. Words are singularly the most powerful force, powerful force available to humanity. We can choose this force to constructively build with words, with encouragement, or destructively using words of despair. Words have the energy and power and ability to help, heal, hinder, or hurt, or harm, to humiliate, or to humble. Yuda Berg was her name who quoted that. And so this morning, I say all that to say, I want to minister this message entitled, Confront Your Confession. I said, I want to minister this title called, Confront Your Confession. I want you to look at somebody this morning. I want you to challenge them. 
and say to them with conviction in your eyes, say, are you ready to confront your confession? See, see, before we used to identify saints based on their bumper sticker. We used to be able to identify saints by how they came to church every single Sunday morning. But more and more, I have got a chance to meet with some amazing men and women of God, amazing pulpiteers, amazing communicators. But then in, the own, in our own privacy, their mouths may say a little bit different. And I'm not knocking leadership in the body of Christ. There's a lot of amazing men and women of God. But we can no longer identify Christians based on the cross that's worn around their neck. Do you know, do you remember the time when, when, when the disciples were uh, identified from the Pharisees and they said, these are, are unlearned men, but then they, they saw their conduct and they could tell they had been with Jesus. There are some people who I have been around in my 20 years of walking with the Lord who, who, who can talk the talk and they show up to church. They won't miss a Sunday. But as soon as they're aggravated about something, they begin to use their tongues in an unholy, in an unclean manner. Come on, you've never met nobody like that, have you? Listen to what Proverbs says. It says, Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Listen to the Message Bible, how it depicts it. It says, words kill, words give life, and they're either poison or fruit. You choose. Listen, you cannot choose your situation, right? You cannot choose the negative things that happen to you, but you can choose how you feel about it. I said you can choose how you feel about it. And listen, I'm going to take it a little higher. You can choose how you talk about it. I've been through many negative circumstances in my life, and the Lord is still working on me. As a matter of fact, he was working on me this past Thursday as I mentioned before. But I want to challenge all of you in this season of your life. And we can see how, and we we're in the perfect storm when we turn on the TV or we turn on the news to speak certain negativity, even over those who are governing the world in an unworthy manner, in a, in a way that maybe is not so pleasing to God, right? But we can choose our words wisely. And, and be careful in the way that we speak about those who are governing our country. I'm not going to get too many amens on that. You know, you don't have to agree with someone, come on, in order to speak positive over them. You don't have to agree with certain circumstances to speak positive. So my first point this morning, as I read the scripture, is choose your words wisely in this season. Choose your words wisely. Look at somebody and tell them that. Choose your words wisely. Listen, listen to what John, I'm going to teach a little bit and not be so preachy this morning. Is this okay? Watch what John chapter 6 says. John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. Who's talking? There should be red writing. Do we have that? Maybe I didn't give that to him. It says, this is Jesus talking. The words are in red. He says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. But here's the reason I want to read the verse. Jesus says this, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. Say spirit. spirit. Say words are spirit. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head south all the way to Genesis and I'm going to read this quick verse. So, so Jesus is saying, 
His words are spirit and they are life. Say they're spirit. But most people would try to use that as a scapegoat and say only your word, because you're the Messiah, you're Jesus, only your words are spirit. Now watch this, what happens in Genesis chapter 126. What does it say? God made us, say us, in the image and likeness of God. And then he said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. I was reading a verse of scripture the other day, and it says that God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as his word in your mouth. Did I say that right? God's word is just as, your, God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth, right? So, and your words are spirit. Say they're spirit. Words are spirit and have creative power. You can create, you ever hung around somebody who all they talk about is negativity and then you see their lives are nothing but negative? This is because they, they are partnering. Now, people want me, there's a lot of people who will, they'll call me and they'll say, I'm battling with this spirit or I'm battling with that spirit. I look, what I start to do is I don't try to, sometimes I don't try to cast a demon right out right away if I'm seeing somebody who's oppressed with the enemy. I'll, I'll try to figure out what door, uh, and most, there's many deliverance ministers that say, no, you just cast the enemy out. You don't ask them certain questions. But here's my problem. You know the scripture that talks about there was, a, there was a spirit who had a man bound and this person got delivered. And then when this person fell into sin again, this spirit brought with it seven others and then occupied the house. And now it's current, that person's current state is worse than the last state. Does anybody know what scripture I'm talking about? Because here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you cast out a spirit if you keep the door open. And when, once we figure out that our words are actually open doors for the enemy to operate in our lives. If you have a struggle in your marriage, speak life. I'm not saying don't get two or three friends to pray with you and for you to cry on their shoulder and for you to, 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 to ask them to pray for your spouse or to pray for you and to, for, them, for you to share with them the negativity that's going on. But that should not be a habitual habit of speaking negativity. Because when we partner we partner oftentimes with the enemy with speaking negativity. And it gives the enemy fuel to operate in an individual's life. And so you have a choice this morning in this season that you're in right now. Whatever it is that you're facing, you can either speak life into that situation, speak God's word into that situation, or agree with the enemy. And here's the thing. The enemy, when he sees weakness in an individual, when he knows that problems stir them, what he'll continue to do, if he, if he knows he can get them to speak negative, he'll re continue to recreate problems in that individual's life until that individual's life is filled with negativity. Because if he knows that you can get you to confess it, he will create those negative things over and over. Am I preaching to the right people this morning? Do not partner with the enemy with your mouth. Do not say, always say what your emotions are feeling. A lot of people say, well, that's, you're just, uh, you know, uh, twisting the scripture. No, this is what the Bible says. Speak life because life and death are in the power of the tongue. What if God decided when he created the earth to speak negativity? You think, it's, you think it's messed up now? You think our government is messed up now? But he didn't. He spoke life, right? He, he sent man into the garden. He sent the sun. He sent the, the moon. And he, he created all of the foliage in the earth. He spoke life. Say life. Imagine if he spoke negativity. Look, what do you think would be happening in the world? But I, I, what I believe is only, the only restraining factor 
that is keeping this world afloat is because of what God has spoken over it and his church is still his voice in the earth restraining the enemy. That deserves at least one amen. Because the church of Jesus Christ is standing in the gap, speaking positive, speaking God's blessing, reminding him of his promises. And I mentioned this before. Have you ever seen a person who is sick in their body and now you're afraid to even ask them how they're doing because every time you hear them speak, they say something negative and it goes from one pain to another? I'm not knocking those people, but what I am saying, there's something to be said about the person who is always speaking negatively. First, it goes from a cough to an ache and pain, and, and then it's cancer, and then it's, and then it's something else. All I am saying is that there is life and death in the power of your tongue, and those who love its fruit will eat of it. So let me ask you something. If your words are, are creating life this morning, if your words are bringing into existence those things that are unseen, if it... If, if, the question this morning is, what do you want to build in your life? Do you want to build a garden? Do you want to build a life that looks like and manifests God's promises? Or do you want to build a life that is filled with negative outcome and, and, and problems and, and issues in your life? I'm going to read this other scripture. Watch this. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. If you don't change your mind, I wrote it like this, changing your mind changes your mouth. You know why many people speak negatively? It's because their mind is not changed. This is, you know what I pray on a regular basis? Can I tell you what I do personally? I ask, I literally ask the Lord, and it's scriptural, Remember when Paul said, we have the mind of Christ? Come on, does anybody remember that? He says, we have the mind of Christ. I ask the Lord, give me your mind and give me a mind that lines up with your mouth and your heart so that I speak those things that you desire, not the things I desire. We all have issues going on in our lives. We all have things that we wish and pray and plead for God to straighten out in our lives. But I've also ministered enough to people to see that the more that we speak negative, the more those negative things begin to compound and grow in our lives. You know, there was a study that was done several years ago by a university, and, and two different individuals got a plant. And one, and they were just, they were, they were wanting to see if speaking to this plant, I know it kind of sounds a little weird, and I'm not a tree hugger, so don't get things wrong here. Come on, we all know tree huggers, you know, they don't, you know what I'm talking about. You know what a tree hugger is. That's funny. I'll stop there. My wife's looking at me. They took these plants and they gave it to two separate individuals. And these individuals were instructed, one, to speak negatively every day over this plant and one to speak life over the plant. And it didn't take just a few weeks for that person who was speaking negative over that plant to the, the plant to just simply wilt over. And the other person who was speaking life over that plant, that plant thrived and it grew and it budded and it was lush and it was green. That's how our words, that's how powerful our words are. How much more people, you know, the people that I have privately counseled in the green room or in my office, how many people deal with rejection? And I always go back to, how did your father speak to you? How did your mother speak to you? How did your husband speak to you? 
It's because there's power in the tongue. There is life and death in the tongue. Somebody say, we're going to reverse the curse this morning. That's right. That's right. Because if damage can be done to speaking negatively, we can speak life and reverse the thing. Amen? And you don't have to talk long to a person before you figure out what's on their mind and in their heart. Before I get people uh, in the ministry, there's different people who come to the church and they say, I want to get involved. I want to jump right in. And I love that. I have to tell you, especially with small churches, you know, you want people to be involved. But I say, hey, listen, just be a fly on the wall and I'll, you know, let them in the green room or I'll let them kind of, you know, speak a little bit or I'll have a conversation with them because I want to find out what's in their heart. And it doesn't take long speaking with someone before you find out what's in their heart. Because whatever in, what, what is in the mind, what's in the heart comes out of the mouth. And all, listen to this. I'm going to go back to the children of Israel. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Although the children of Israel were out of Egypt, we've heard it preached like this, Egypt was not out of them. Remember that? The children of Israel got delivered out of Egypt. But here was the problem. They didn't change their mind. They did not change their thinking. Therefore, they could not change their confession. And do you know what kept them in the wilderness? Not that God didn't promise them because God promised them the land that was flowing with milk and honey. Come on, how many remember the story? God delivers them from Egypt. He parts the Red Sea, does this amazing miracle in their lives and says, hey, you're gonna inherit this land. You're gonna take it from your enemies. You're gonna inherit it. You're gonna drink from a river that's flowing with milk and honey. I've got this promise for you. But do you know why they didn't enter? Because they negatively spoke over their destiny. The Bible says that they grumbled and complained. And something that should have took them 11 years, excuse me, yes, 11 days to get to the promised land took them 40 years and only two entered in. Why? Because their negative confession. I wonder, I wonder if there are some things in your life, and I say this with the fear of the Lord, I wonder if there are some things in your life that are being held back due to speaking negatively. I wonder if there are certain doors in your life that are closed this morning because of the way that we use our tongue and the things that we are confessing. I wonder how many doors are open that shouldn't be open in your life that are only open because of our confession, our negative confession. It surely is quiet in here. I mentioned a pet peeve that I have earlier, and one of them is disrespect. I don't do, I don't do well uh, with disrespect, but one of the other things, when I get around individuals who cannot stop negatively speaking. I don't even like riding in the car. I know you guys are going to be like, oh, you're not a pastor. I don't because if I get in the car with them, generally negatively speaking, people who speak negative, who, who, whose, whose mouths are always filled with negativity, it's either their car is breaking down or something is always negatively happening around. It's not that we don't like people like that. We love them. But we have to be careful about getting into certain environments where people are speaking negative because you know what the Bible says? When you get around, come on, Evil company corrupts good habits. Anytime I've seen people speaking negative, it's either because mom or dad or aunt or uncle, or they were exposed to people who were speaking negative. So don't rub, if you're wanting to be a positive person, if you, wanna, if you want your mouth to be used by the Lord, if you want to live out a positive life, come on, if you want to look like Jesus Christ, don't get around people who talk like the devil. Look at some people are looking at me. Yes, don't get around people who talk like the devil. The enemy looks for opportunities. He looks for open doors to use our mouths 
to create chaos in our lives. There's a message I want to preach. It's coming up. Dean and I were talking about it in the green room. And it's a little heavy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refrain from teaching it. Maybe the next several weeks we'll, we'll lay some groundwork. But come on, we have, we, we have an adversary. The Bible calls him the devil. Who's looking for open doors in our lives. And a lot of times we blame on the enemy what we've used our mouths I have literally watched my mom go through cancer three times, and she has never once admitted to having cancer. She's the most positive person, and I I truly believe it's because of her confession. She would come in with a bandana, and I'd say, how you doing? She's like, I don't know why them doctors are telling me I have that stuff. Some people call it denial, but in heaven, you know what they call that? Faith. They call it faith. And I'll read a scripture that validates that. The Bible says it like this. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, but speak those things that what? Be not as though they were. We can speak life. And whatever we speak oftentimes becomes a reality in our lives. Somebody say, change your confession. You want to know why some people oftentimes speak negatively? is because I truly believe, and I believe that we're in the most critical hour for this, is we have to become students of the word of God. We have to become students of this word. And the reason why many of us do not speak positively and speak words of faith, can I just, are y'all gonna get mad at me and throw tomatoes? Is because we don't put enough of this in us. We don't put enough of the word of God in our hearts. When we put enough of this word in our hearts and in our minds daily, that's why it's called daily bread. When we don't read this word daily, the enemy comes in with all these other negative thoughts. And what you think about the most, what you read the most, what you expose your spirit, man, come on, your spirit first, say that, amen. Your spirit first, when you feed your spirit this word, when negative circumstances come about, this should be coming out. Somebody say, speak the word. When we get the word of God in us, and we get filled with God's word. We're like lemons, you know? People are like fruit. And you, you, you squeeze a fruit enough, whatever juice is on the inside of that fruit, it's going to come out. When your circumstances squeeze you, this should be coming out. This should be coming out. And when we feed on the word of God daily, when negative circumstances, when somebody says something to you, you know what that showed me when, that, when, I, when I had that reaction, when I pulled up next to that lady, even though I wasn't, I wasn't brash, but I certainly weren't, wasn't Christ-like, I could, cannot see Jesus getting in the truck and following a person. I just, I heard, turn the other cheek. Hallelujah. I can't imagine Jesus doing that. What it showed me is I have to concentrate myself more. Because for the child of God, I know that some of you may squirm when I say this, we are to have unoffendable hearts. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. What does that mean? It doesn't mean die in the flesh. It means die to the flesh. Do not be moved. It showed me I was just a little bit alive. A little bit too alive. And can I tell you who God uses the most is that person whose tongue is governed by his word, whose life is governed by his principles. Because God will not entrust his power to someone or entrust his word to someone who cannot govern their lives according to his word. Amen? He will not entrust his power to that 
individual. So we have to read the word of God. We have to fill ourselves with God's word. I'll quote it again, Romans 4, verse 16 through 17. On the end of this scripture, it says, he gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Point number three, speak what you want to see. Speak what you want to see. Come on, somebody say, speak what you want to see. Speak what you want to see come to pass. This is particularly critical for those of you who have children. When you see an attitude, when you see a behavior in one of your children that does not line up with God's word, don't continue to negatively confess that. Speak what you want them to be. Speak what God's word says about them. If your job or your boss, I know this is a hard one, treats you negatively or there's something that you don't like about them, don't speak about the negative attitude that you don't like about them. Speak life. Speak those things that be not as though they were. Angelique, who is our, our, our worship leader, she didn't know I was listening this keenly to her when she said this. She said about two or three weeks ago, she said, all of your friends you've known for many, many years, some of them I've known for almost 30 years and 15 years and over a decade, and we're all still really close friends. She said, that's something... To, she said, that says something about you. And that made me feel really good. But this is not, I'm not saying this to, to gloat or to boast. But he, I thought about that. I said, Lord, why is that? You know what it really is? Is God's given me this innate ability to not, not look at the, not to dwell on the negative things in people, but to see the positives and just boast on that. There, there, every one of us have circumstances in our lives that pose both negative and positive things. We choose what to dwell on. And what you feed with your words, that side of that thing, whether it's negative or positive, will grow. Did you hear what I said? Maybe your marriage is not perfect. Maybe your husband is late all the time. I'm saying that because, you know, I'm not always early. But maybe he's a loving husband, but he's late all the time. Or maybe you have a, a wife who cooks really well, and, but, but she just doesn't clean the house very well. Dwell on the positive things. Maybe your boss doesn't treat you the best. Maybe, maybe you don't get along with him the way that you'd like to get along with him. But, but maybe, maybe he's always super critical about making sure that you're paid on time, or at least you have a job. Dwell on the positive things and begin to speak positively over those things. And as you speak positively over it, positivity will grow. Amen? Speak life. Somebody say, speak life. Most people like to to, to speak what they speak about the negative things that they see instead of declaring what they should see. Amen? Somebody say, speak life. If you're experiencing health issues this morning, I want to challenge you. Speak life over yourself. If you're dealing with a difficult spouse, say, God, say what God would say about that person. If you're struggling in your finances, pull out your debit card if that's what you have to do and speak life. Oh, yes, I did. I absolutely did. I remember in, in the early days of you know, being in business, I remember I could hardly pay my bills and I would pull out my wallet and I would speak life over my wallet. You may think I'm crazy, but I'm blessed now. I, I won't miss a bill now. But it's all about speaking, speaking life over your situations. And you can speak life over your finances. I speak life even over my relationship with God. 
over every sphere of my life. If you're waiting on a husband or a wife in here and you're single, say, Lord, I thank you for sending me, and don't forget this one, a godly spouse. Come on. If you keep going through the patterns of disappointment in your life, you're running into one brick wall or one mountain after the other, say, Lord, I thank you that my life is filled with constant joy and blessing. Speak life. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says this. Watch, this is Jesus' words. Is anybody getting anything out of this? For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, let me back it up. Do we have that on the screen? For assuredly, I say to you, only of the apostles who speak to this mountain. For assuredly, I say to you, whatever man of God says to this mountain, what does it say? For assuredly, I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Look at somebody and say, don't doubt. Do not doubt. Don't doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he or she says will be done. They will have some things. They will have whatever he or she says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Notice Jesus said to speak to the mountain, not to talk about it. Oh, I'm preaching good. I'm kidding. Don't speak about your mountain. Speak to it. And listen, you know what? I wrote this not that long ago. I said, listen, if you speak to a mountain and it does not move, use your faith to dig through it. That's what faith does. I can hear some of you right now in my holy imagination. I've prayed about this mountain. I've commanded this thing to move. Well, use your faith to get your shovel and dig through it. Amen? Come on. Number four, declare the word of God, not your feelings. This is very important, possibly the most important point that I'm going to declare this morning. You do not want to declare what you want necessarily, as long as you do if it lines up with the word of God. What you're declaring must line up with the scriptures. Does the Bible talk about healing? I was actually waiting for a response. Does the Bible talk about healing of the body? Is there any sickness in heaven? So it's God's will for you to be sick. Some of you look like you are really, you're not sure. Is there any sickness in heaven? No. So it's not God's will for a person to be sick. Okay. If you're sick in your body, declare the word of God. If your circumstance doesn't look like what you know God says about it, speak his word and not your feelings. Amen? I feel like some of you, and I remember when Joel was speaking about marriage this morning, if you, don't, if you feel that you've fallen out of love with your spouse, declare by faith, I love this person. I love him. I love her. And listen, when you speak by faith, feelings will eventually follow. I said feelings will eventually follow. I remember living one of the most unrighteous life, lives you can possibly think of. And even when I came to the Lord, all of my struggles didn't just magically disappear. But you know what I would confess? I am a man of God. I am a servant of the Lord. 
Instead of beating, look at what the other side of it is. If you're always constantly beating yourself up, I'm no good, I'm not useful to the Lord, you partner with what the enemy is saying, and he's the accuser of the brethren. So speak positively, even over your own walk with the Lord. So declare the word of God, not your feelings. Say, declare the word of God, not your feelings. The Bible says that the world was, world was formed by the word. And if we want supernatural results in our lives, then we must start declaring the word, not our word. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet, and I want to read this verse of Scripture to you, and we'll close. Ezekiel chapter 37, completely different story, but I believe it's applicable for this theme that I'm ministering on right now regarding the power of the tongue. I believe I've read this before. Ezekiel 37, it talks about the valley of dry bones. And I have a feeling this morning that you have valleys in your life. When you're looking at it, it looks nothing like what God wants it to look like. As a matter of fact, it's full of bones. When you look at that situation, when you look at your housing situation, you're like, Lord, I don't have a place to live. Your valley's full of bones. When you're looking at your marriage, you're looking at that valley. You don't see any life in it. All you see is bones. You look at your health. You can't see life. All you see is bones. And I want, I want you to look at Ezekiel's response as God is trying to provoke him to see what God sees. And it's a little lengthy. I want to read it. Is that okay? It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley. This is interesting that God set him in a valley. I got a feeling that God has set some of you in certain valleys just to see how you speak to it. I feel the Lord on that. That's not in my notes. God, I, I, I feel that so strongly right now. And the reason that it has a change, and you're saying, God, change it. And I hear the word of the Lord for somebody this morning as if God is stepping in and saying, no, you change it. You change it with the power that I've put in your mouth, which is my word. I feel that so strongly. And he set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And then he caused me to pass by them. The Lord's displaying all this death to him. He's displaying all these dry bones. And then he caused me to pass by them all around. And there behold, there were many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. In other words, it wasn't just a bad situation. It was a terrible situation. I love this. And he, meaning God, said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I want you to look at somebody this morning and say, do you think these bones can live? Come on, look at somebody else and say, do you think these bones can live? Come on, you know what your bones are. You know what that dry situation is. You know what that situation is that's dead in your life. Can these bones live? And so I answered, listen to his sarcastic response. Oh, Lord God, you know 
That makes me think of individuals when they say, if it be God's will, if it be his will that I get healed, if it be his will that I have a home to live in to call my own, if it be his will that I walk in the calling that he's called me to, if it be his will that I prosper. Oh Lord, you know. And again, he said to me, watch this, prophesy to these bones. You know what prophesy means? It doesn't mean get a vision. It can mean that. It doesn't mean get a vision and declare it. The word prophecy or to prophesy means to declare the word of God boldly. Prophesy. Look at somebody and say that this morning. Tell them, tell them. Come on, tell them with authority. Say, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. And listen, this is him saying, thus says the Lord, says to these bones. So in other words, he just gets the revelation before the situation changed. He got the revelation that what I speak, because it's lining up with God's word, his word in my mouth is just as powerful as his word in his mouth. So prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will surely cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will put skin or sinews on you and bring flesh upon you to cover your skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied and there was a noise and there was a noise. Come on, somebody say there was a noise. And indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them all over and there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and I say to the breath thus says the Lord come from the four winds O breath and breathe on these slain or these dead that they may live and so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet and it was an exceeding army I want you to take a look at something he didn't just say God make these dead bones live. He prophesied and declared the word in detail. I don't don't know. In detail. He didn't just say, God, make my situation right. I'm going to make it super practical and then I'm going to make it spiritual. Okay, because there are many of you who are in this place who have practical needs. Basically, he would say something like this. If his finances were dead, Lord, I thank you that this mortgage will be paid at the end of this month in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that by the end of this month, I will have a place to live. Lord, I thank you that you're even sending somebody who's gonna open that door for me. Lord, I thank you that this crooked place in my life right here, this, this, this marriage difficulty, I'm having this issue with my wife or my husband or I'm having this difficulty at the job, he prophesied in detail. He said he spoke breath on them. He commanded skin. I'm talking about he was he was not just being general. Oh, Lord, heal. Lord, I thank you that there is not one cancer cell in my body. 
in detail. Come on, look at somebody and say, prophesy in detail. God's a detailed God. And so I want you just for the next few moments to begin to get a glimpse of that situation that you're facing this morning. And God is a miracle working God and he's wanting you to partner with his word and he wants you not to speak death to that thing anymore. And I pray, I pray that the fear of the Lord would be released upon each and every one of your mouths this morning to learn to to have the fear of the Lord in such a way, with such depth that when you speak negatively, the Holy Spirit will convict you. So that you will learn to speak God's word to your situation. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.